I don't believe in no one's scenarios. Data, 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 I cannot make bricks without clay. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a special Cheeky Scientist radio show. We are talking today about getting hired as a data scientist. We're going to go through the process and specifically focus on what's different when it comes to getting hired as a data scientist, including interview questions, the technical or coding call that you'll have to do. Uh, We're also going to talk about the take-home exam. We're going to talk about the portfolio you'll need to have, programming languages, and much more. We're going to start today's show like we have been recently by jumping in with a panel of people that are in our advanced program, the Data Scientist Syndicate, to help you uh, figure out whether or not, not only if this program is right for you, but if the data scientist career path is right for you. Then we're going to be talking to uh, senior data scientists about how they transition, what they learned, some trending topics as well. Uh, to focus on, uh, whether it be uh, AI, machine learning, modeling, and much more. So stay tuned, and let's jump into the show now. Hi, Asiya. Good to see you. Thanks, yeah, thanks for, for coming on. I appreciate it. Maher, how are you? I'm thanks, Isaiah. Yeah. Good to be here with you. Good to see you too. Naladri, how are you? Fantastic. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, thank you for coming. And Shamba, how are you? Pretty good. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I appreciate you being here. And last but not least, Bipol, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. So I just wanted to ask you all to, uh, I'm going to ask you two quick questions. I know you're all busy. I really appreciate your time. And so some of you have transitioned. Some of you are transitioning. All of you are in the data scientist syndicate. And the question that I, I want to ask is, you know, looking back, what were the gaps you had in your knowledge in terms of becoming a data scientist? And how has the data scientist syndicate helped close those gaps? So that's the, the longer question I'm going to ask. The first question is just introduce yourself, if you could, and what interested you or what made you become interested in being a data scientist in the first place? So intro and your the reason you became interested in being a data scientist first, Barula. Um, hi, Asiya. Uh, thanks for the opportunity again. So like first, a little bit about myself. Um, I'm a PhD student currently, a PhD candidate uh, about to like wrap up my thesis in a couple of months. And uh, I studied civil engineering for my like bachelor's. And then I started to do research about, um, about infrastructure security and management, things like that. So yes. uh, like during this process, I get um, exposed to some, like uh, some projects which has to deal with, uh, like deal with some big data and uh, some yes. So that made me, to rethink like my original objective of pursuing my PhD. So I started to actively uh, teach myself uh, like technical skills needed for um, like for the, um, for the data science uh, position. Great, and then, um, well, that's good. Well, let's do that for now for the intro. Just a brief mm-hmm. intro, I'm gonna come back around to all of you, if that's okay. Sure. Uh, so Maher, same question to you, just a real quick introduce yourself and uh, just quickly what made you uh, become interested in being a data scientist? Yes, I started and finished uh, one year ago my PhD in uh, chemistry, physical chemistry field, and I did find myself uh, much more interested in the part of uh, analyzing data. I was looking uh, for uh, a way to uh, get practical in the field in order to have, let's say, a door or a relation with the industry application. And that's Thank why you. I started this track. Perfect. So please say hi to Maher and Barula, if you would. And then Niladri, same question to you, brief intro, and what made you become interested in being a data scientist? Yeah, so basically uh, I did my PhD in bioinformatics and I'm based in Norway. Uh, I'm originally from India. So uh, last year I kind of was kind of wrapping up my PhD and then uh, applying for grants and everything was bombing. So I just like, you know, I need to find a way where I can use my skill set. And I did a lot of soul searching and kind of found some some of the professions which would match. And then, you know, with your good advice of trying to find the lifestyle which you want to lead, I kind of zeroed in on data scientists and then I started gunning for it. So that's nice, kind of I like it. Well, thank you very much. Please welcome Niladri, if you would. Shama, same question to you. 
Well, so I have my PhD in chemistry, and a, but I'm an experimental chemist, right? So the exciting part of science of doing stuff in the lab. But a year ago, I started working on computational chemistry. And when I first started my journey in uh, DSS and looking at data science and stuff like that, it was more from a place of, oh, what's happening in the world? Am I going to have to work from home forever? So should I be learning <laughs> skills? You know, to kind of, let's be real, <laughs> Yeah. to bolster what I already know. And then I realized that was not the right way for me personally to go into that desperation phase to learn about a subject just because they're like, oh, maybe this is the future of it. What I did do after that was after talking to people at DSS and stuff like that, I was like, you know what? What am I using this for really? How am I really tying this into my back? Because I love my background. There's nothing wrong yeah. with my background. I'm not trying to walk away from it. So where am I trying to connect the two? So that's kind of why I joined. That's kind of where I'm at. It's trying to take my chemistry, my computational, understand it better in terms of a data scientist. Because let's be real, we're all data points. All our science yes. is data points. So how am I combining this to like just be better at what I do? Oh, good. Okay. Well, what thank I you can for the intro. <laughs> thank you, Shama. And by Paul, same question to you real quick, brief intro and why you became interested in being a data scientist. Yeah. Uh, thank you for inviting me to this uh, DSS seminar. And um, my name is Bipul Kumar Mahato. I uh, did my PhD from University of Calcutta, and then I'm doing postdoctoral work in NTU for uh, four years. And Perfect. after that, I was looking for some transition into industry. And then I was looking for some course which can help me for the transition process to motivate me and to um, get into the field. Then I found this DSS course, very interesting, and I joined this course, and then I saw the um, its main, its uh, notes, videos, and other things. So uh, in that, uh, I just got the um, different industry-specific and the country-specific demand of data science, data scientists, and um, the salary expectations, and the different transition and the transferable skills, which I already had, but I could not identify it. But then I identified those things with this course, and this helped me a lot. And now Perfect. Well, I'm going to come back. Time. I'm going to come back to the program bipolar, but that will do for the intro. Thank you. So now I'm going to come back to that initial question for all of you very quickly is you all, all are in the data scientist syndicate program, and some of you have transitioned, some of you are about to. Uh, looking back, what were the gaps you had in your knowledge in terms of what it meant to be a data scientist and what you needed to prepare to actually get hired? Um, and then how has the data scientist syndicate helped you? So gaps you had in your knowledge before joining or before getting your real world experience. And how did the program help close those gaps? Barula. Um, so like about the gaps in my knowledge to become a data scientist. So as most of the panelists and all those attending this meeting, I have picked up skills, some technical skills for becoming a data scientist on a very ad hoc basis from uh, some courses, some research papers or some uh, online courses, something like that. So I never had a systematic overview like from the very beginning till the end, actual like landing the position and then horizontally or vertically developing inside the, like an industrial organization. Yes. So uh, I just had technical skills but I didn't have transfer. Uh, I didn't pay, at least pay attention to some um, transferable skills. Uh, also, some industry-specific, um, like uh, domain knowledge. So, by exposing to DSS uh, like program, I I became aware that like there's a like a, a big need for me to pick up in those domains and then make myself more relevant to whatever industry. Perfect. Thank you, Barula. Yeah, I think that's a great point. In, in the program, the Data Scientist Syndicate, you'll learn about the technical skills you need. So think of those as anything from your programming languages, just to your ability to analyze information and data, which all of you have, no matter what your background is uh, as a PhD. Uh, your transferable skills, but then on top of that, your business acumen skills, because you really have to be able to translate the, the technical data that an algorithm might output, uh, not just doing the modeling and building the algorithm in the first place, but you got to translate that to, to business data that makes sense and allows people to make business decisions. Uh, so thank you very much. Maher, same question to you. Uh, for me, the most important uh, lesson that I learned, uh, and I'm still uh, practicing from DSS, 
was that uh, you have uh, to relate uh, to industry to answer business questions. Because uh, coming from a quantitative background, I was uh, thinking about uh, data scientist roles uh, as uh, staying here, uh, crunching numbers uh, alone. But uh, this program puts you in a professional uh, point of view, which in the university I didn't uh, mature. Yeah, no, I appreciate uh, that. That's important too, because all of us have data experience, right? We've worked with different software programs or, you know, maybe we've used MATLAB, et cetera, but doing it professionally in industry is quite a bit different and you have to, you know, get rid of that academic mindset, the academic nomenclature and, and get trained on the industry uh, mindset and nomenclature for the role. Naladri, same question to you now that you're uh, in a data scientist role in industry, looking back, what were the gaps you had in your knowledge? And uh, how has uh, the program, your real world, world experience, closed those gaps? Yeah, so for me, this was the second transition, actually, in the last two years. So uh, I started as a consultant uh, last year, so where I picked up the technical skills, uh, but that was that I obtained through networking. So what the program here specifically helped me was actually cracking the data scientist interview like what is the process and uh, what is expected out of it and yes. how do you go about it and what things to keep in mind. So that was the key aspect, which I think uh, was the basic, the, the thing which uh, brought me to my second transition actually. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. We're lucky for all of you attendees. We're going to go through the interview process today. Uh, you know, what do you do on a technical call for the role? What's a take-home exam? How do you answer the behavioral questions? It's very rigorous. Uh, but it's something you can all do. You just have to get trained on it. If you don't know what questions are going to be asked of you at the PhD level, um, you got to you have to get trained. And there's not not much out there again at the PhD level for data scientists. And that's why we collated it all together and put it in the program. So thank you, Naladri, and congratulations on your new career. Please thank Naladri and uh, congratulate him too, if you would. Shama, same question to you, please. Well, so when I started, like I said, data science, it's like most of us have done, I'm sure, it's kind of random. When you look online, there's hundreds of courses you can do, there's hundreds of ways of learning it. And so there's a very unfocused way of doing things sometimes, especially when you're not sure what the end game here is for yourself. So a big gap in my knowledge was, hey, what really is a data scientist? Because on any level, I'm already a data scientist, right? Because I look at data all day. <laughs> I analyze it all day, so am I not already doing yes. it? So that was one big gap in understanding what I'm doing academically versus what the industry would rather me do, which I'm probably already doing just maybe only 5% of my time versus industries like, oh, that's going to be like 70% of your time. So you should improve those skills, right? So that's a big gap that I think a lot of us have in academia is we are very focused on certain things and kind of... Uh, spacey about other things let me put it that way because we we're also very happy to use programs that are already set up for us so kind of go with that so for when i joined dss one thing it did really help me with was understanding what is this role of a data scientist and the branches that it has like it's not just one thing right so there are so many things you could be doing and you really should be looking at what is your interest you're not going to do all those roles necessarily over your lifetime you may not even want to do all those roles you may just want to do certain things and dss was great at explaining that to me because otherwise you're going oh i could do this i could do that like i could do it all like why not i'm a phd like you know, but you kind of have to learn to focus and collate like your passions or your interests with your skills. And the other thing, of course, is it gave me a much better idea of taking technical mm. and academic skills and mixing soft skills and business acumen, which is exactly awesome. what other places are looking for. Exactly. And that's one of the key, that's one of the main things you're not going to get from other programs that are not comprehensive and don't give you lifetime access and don't continue to add to the program uh, every month. So thank you very much, Shama. Uh, bye, Paul. Let me just finish with you because you talked a little bit about the program. What's your favorite part of the data scientist syndicate program? Um, the favorite part of what I considered is the Focusing the, the organized, organized way of presenting all the things in the data science field, what we need to um, focus on. Uh, initially, mm -hmm. I, I had uh, some idea of the data science, but it was not focused and not organized. And the data science, DSS course helped me to focus on specific areas, um, like uh, learning some programming. Like um, I was focusing on many programming languages, 
but uh, later on i understood one python or r is quite uh, enough to um, be in the field so yes. this part uh, i think for me very useful perfect yeah i, I you heard it from all of our panelists right Fo focused uh, sequence of training but also being very comprehensive and being at the phd level uh, whether it's for the programming languages or for the technical skills, the business acumen skills that you need to learn. Thank you all for coming on. Uh, really appreciate them talking to us all with different backgrounds and all, all of them uh, being successful in the program. So thank you very much. Thanks all. All right. So let's get to the didactic uh, material here. We're talking about how to avoid failing the take-home exams, really seven keys to getting hired into the data scientist role. I'm going to bring on our senior program leader, Casey, who's going to come on with us and talk us through today's topics. So, hi, Casey. Good to see you. Hi, Zia. Great to be here. So, Casey, great panel. Uh, I think the largest we've had and uh, a lot of members, uh, about half had transitioned and half are transitioning. Uh, any thoughts on, I guess, what they said in terms of the importance of comprehensiveness of training, but also... Uh, learning in the right sequence. I think a lot of people just try to look around and piece together information that could be wrong or could not be at the PhD level. Uh, you've talked a lot about the misconceptions of what's actually trending or what's under the, the umbrella of data science. Anything to add to that? Yeah, for sure. Um, that was a really great panel. I think it was Shama, if I have that right, who said um, uh, that you know one of the key values of the DSSS program is just being able to organize information or have sort of a sounding board for knowing, you know, what other content you need to learn or different things you should access or study or other courses you should uh, sort of get into. It's if you don't have a place to sort of come back and um, ask others and ask the program leaders, what should I be doing? Are these things worthwhile? And then also the key is to have, um, have that combined with them knowing about your experience when they're giving you advice on whether or not you should do those things. If you don't have a place to do that, you get lost. And it sounds like, I, I mean, some people don't, they don't, they overestimate that. They think that, you know, oh, I'll be fine. I'll just find all the courses on my own, but it's just really tricky, especially since all the different things out there that you need to learn aren't necessarily taking into account your PhD background. So I think, mm. yeah, that's for sure one of the keys. Absolutely. And that's why this program is for PhDs only. Uh, so let's jump into the material and, and help people understand what it takes to get hired as a data scientist. So we have a list here uh, of kind of the seven, the keys that, that we're going to go through. Planning, right? Important, of course, portraying your value, whether it's resumes, LinkedIn profiles, portfolio, very specific to the data scientist role, take-home exam, very specific. So the question I have for you is, can you highlight, as we get started here, some of the things that are different about getting hired as a data scientist in terms of the job search and progression than a lot of other careers. Yeah, for sure. So there's definitely uh, a technical component that might not be present or might be a bit different uh, versus other roles. Um, so for example, having a portfolio, which is, is mentioned here is, is key. That means basically having a, a GitHub page in 99% in of cases. Um, and yeah, I think, the other thing that kind of throws people off is sort of the variability in this type of job search because data scientist is a new position, uh, relatively new, um, maybe last 10 years or so. And it, it, that makes it hard for people to target what to do correctly and know sort of the steps because every company is sort of making up their own process in some sense. There's some things that are common amongst a lot of different companies, but your experiences will still vastly vary as people are, uh, companies are figuring out, you know, what is the best process for hiring a data scientist? And there's also ambiguity around what the role means. So um, mm -hmm. definitely good to, to keep an open mind and ask a lot of questions to um, figure out what sort of situation you're in with, with different companies and different interviews. Yeah, it's still uh, uh, being decided. I guess it's still being defined is the better way to look at it, right? Exactly. So think, and that, well, the other thing is that because it's such a, um, a fast-growing field and it's difficult to get quality data scientists, then you also have people maybe defining jobs in ways they shouldn't be, 
um, to try to get the right people. So people are, are desperate at the same time, which is, is also making it a bit tough. But if you can find a position, then it's, it's for sure an amazing job to have. Absolutely. Um, one thing you heard me talk about earlier is just as compare and contrast, because I think it helps people in terms of giving them a reference point in their head. So let's look at just a data analyst, which there are a lot of people with their masters or bachelors in. It's not a bad thing, but we, we want you guys to get into those higher level roles. What's the difference in terms of a data scientist and then a, an analyst in this case? Yeah. So different people, uh, define different companies define it differently but the key difference is I, I would say sort of planning um your own sort of scientific methodologies and then following through on them so if you can think about it like think about a lab example maybe you would have um some sort of lab intern or undergrad you would tell them as a phd or as a, a postdoc you would tell them what to do like i don't know do this little experiment and then tell me what happened from that, right? So they can do sort of a smaller piece without sort of understanding the big picture and thinking strategically. Whereas the data scientists, you're 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 kind of responsible for uh, the larger picture and sort of the whole whole process or, or all the different methodologies that you might be applying. Um, mm. And then you also have on the on the sort of the end of the process, you have. Uh, things like being able to have presentation skills and soft skills and sort of more interaction with the business side directly in a lot of cases. Um, you can ask people, ask different companies that you're interviewing at, you know, what is the difference at your company? How do you define it? And do people who are in data analyst roles ever move into data scientist roles? Like, do you see it? Some people see it as sort of like a pipeline, um, so it just, it just also depends on how the company defines it. Yeah. And, and we get that question a lot. There's nothing in one sense, having a fallback plan, always okay. Yep. But I also want to tell all of you the very real, real possibility that if you get into a more entry-level role, it's not like, oh, I'll just get into this and I'll climb very quickly. Some companies are very structured. Uh, across the board, there is a lot of data on this that shows it's going to take you a few years if you're like in a more entry-level track or an analyst track to get into a different track. So yeah, why true. go through your PhD training again uh, in that sense? So uh, data scientist titles and needed skills. We get this question a lot. Again, we're learning through reference points here. What separates uh, a data scientist from these other roles just in terms of the, the skills that we're seeing here, Casey? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I guess you can see the top ones there uh, for data scientists are math, stats, and modeling uh, versus an analyst who wouldn't really have those skills. So uh, definitely need to know a couple, have a couple different modeling techniques in your tool belt. And often you'll find that uh, once you've sort of done a couple different data science projects, maybe you already have during your PhD, you'll find that you feel confident you have the skills, even if you don't know every single modeling technique out there, you'll understand sort of the pattern of how you need to go about approaching a new modeling technique and how to learn it and how to apply it. So if you have a couple, then I would say you're, you're good. Um, yeah, got to be strong on the math and stuff to have some background knowledge there. It just takes some, you know, brushing up on some, some basic, excuse me, statistics courses for that. Um, and again, in terms of comparing it to other, roles there might be other roles of interest to you if you see these other skills that you're you're strong in but uh, essentially I think this this chart just highlights that often in a especially in a larger company you would work with other people who have related skill sets um, that work with you on a daily basis like a data engineer to help sort of uh, structure the data or deploy models uh, nice. or you might work with a, a business intelligence sort of consulting person as well to do more um, work helping you communicate to the business side. Yeah, I just love this. I mean, it shows you what's important and, and it, it's, there's a reason that the, these skills are a, a focus of the data scientist syndicate program. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go through what the job search process looks like uh, for getting into a data scientist role. And then we're going to end with a lot of trending topics to really add to your understanding and your portfolio. Uh, so make sure you stay tuned until the end for that. Uh, so LinkedIn profiles networking, showing your skills all, you know, across the board, no matter which job you want, that's important. So let's try to make it specific for data science. If you could go back and talk to yourself, Casey, and give yourself uh, suggestions based on what we see here to do for your job search to make things easier, what would you have suggested? Yeah, so for the LinkedIn profile, I think one thing people don't uh, think about enough 
for, for the data scientist role is uh, how important it is to highlight things in terms of your projects on LinkedIn. So that's what's going to be especially interesting is data science type projects. So if you can frame your PhD into one or three or five different um, projects and then frame those projects, which are like more framed around the science, frame them more in terms of data science, you'll, you know, you'll be halfway there. So that might look like, um, rearranging your LinkedIn instead of just saying like education, PhD, and then before that I did some other job or something. Um, you want to like change the entire structure of your LinkedIn, call it like make a subheading called projects and put your project work in there and, and really title those projects, highlighting the data science techniques you used in those projects. Um, so you, you, that's something that you, doesn't take more work other than just editing the LinkedIn profile, but will really help people be clear about the fact that you've probably already done uh, data science before. In terms of networking, I would say it's cool that in data science, there's a lot of, there's a huge online community of people who are very passionate about it. There's all sorts of competitions. There's um, uh, online groups that help you do data science for good projects and, and kind of our sort of people do as a, as a hobby uh, and getting involved in any of those often can lead to, uh, to a career, to a job and is a, is a great way to network online, especially during, um, during COVID. Yeah. And, and this role is in demand in the yes. demand has increased this year uh, with the pandemic. And it makes sense because it can be done remotely. There's so much data to go through so much new data. Um, people, I think now with the decentralization of workforce forces, remote work, et cetera, data has just become more valuable. Who's going to analyze all that data. Who's going to translate it into something meaningful. Collecting data is one thing, but going through it uh, is another we've seen uh, the numbers are, anywhere from 15 to about 25% in terms of the increase. And I want you all to know, you might be thinking, well, I don't know where these jobs are. Well, we're in a recession, first of all. So most employers are not, they don't have to promote with a lot of online ads or Indeed or whatever the way they would if hiring is way up because there's more job candidates than jobs. So the referral aspect, the network in the syndicate is super valuable, um, but also uh, just increasing the visibility of your resume, your LinkedIn profile by using the industry specific words for, for data science at the PhD level, not uh, whatever academic nomenclature you might be using. Um, Casey, two things that I wanted to call out here is this technical call and the take home assignment. Can you mm -hmm. tell us a little, little bit about both of those? We'll go into more detail, but just an overview here. Yeah, so the technical call might be, um, or yeah, it says code interview. Uh, it could, if it's a call, it would probably just be sort of multiple choice statistics questions or asking you to explain a couple statistics concepts in a couple sentences or different machine learning modeling techniques. If it's a coding interview, it would obviously be um, not a call. It's on the computer. They use some sort of prefabricated software to um, test just your probably your general coding skills in a language that you would know in advance, um, typically Python or R. And then the take-home assignment um, could be over a couple hours or over a couple days. And then you're typically ex expected to spend a couple hours during those days where uh, they give you a business problem. They probably give you some messy data and they say sort of answer these business questions. So you have to go through the whole process of um, cleaning and understanding the data right through to uh, generating insights and everything in between. And it's just a, a test of sort of the, uh, on a small scale, what you would ex be expected to do in the actual role. Um, so I want to dig into the take-home exam. That's one thing that we uh, want to show you today. So the take-home exam, uh, Casey's introduced it, right? During the step, the company will give you a data set, some business context. Uh, as a PhD, you have the skills for this. You just have to uh, leverage them in the right way with the right perspective. Uh, so, well, can you talk us through some examples? What are they really looking for? How are they evaluating you? What's the style of the exam usually? Yeah, so, um, yeah, here you're given uh, a problem and it's kind of vague. So for I think the first thing is you might be at, like one key thing they might be looking for is did you take this uh, business problem we gave you and did you actually translate it into the right data problem like math problem like if I see that x goes up then I'll know that y I can conclude z about the business right so um, the, the problem being phrased in sort of a vague way here is 
probably on purpose, right? So they want to see what you take out of it um, and how you sort of clearly structure the problem um, so that it can be solved by data. Um, so that's, that's key for sure. Yeah, so you'll get a description, likely a data set, and they're looking for your process. That's a big part. It's not so much about, I mean, the results matter, of course, but what a lot of PhDs fail to realize is that the process matters and your ability to explain your process, right? To, uh, to really to catalog it so that somebody else could go through it um, and see what you did. So you could work with the team on it. Does that make sense? Casey, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of people get caught up. Um, they think that the problem seems so vague that they're not going to get to the right answer. And especially, you know, it's really tricky when you are doing your PhD to go to, to switch your brain, right. From working on a problem for many years to, um, just making a sequence of reasonable assumptions to solve the problem within a couple hours or within a couple days. And the key to understand here is just that you just need to be able to explain and justify the assumptions you made and make them clear and then move on to the next step. You know, nobody is expecting you to come back and say, oh, I need to spend a year solving this problem and it's actually really unclear. It's just about making reasonable assumptions. And really they're also testing you for, you know, if they, what they're worried about is if they put you in front of, you know, senior executive next, and that senior executive asks you a question about, well, why did you assume this and take away this half of the data when you did this analysis? And you say something that doesn't make logical sense. That's a problem. Yeah, exactly. And I think that point is something we could come back to over and over because you have to be able to be put in front of executives, investors, and explain what you're doing. And they're not going to be digging into the technical details like your PI, right? They're going to be asking you, okay, what, what are the larger implications of this? How does this affect our margins, our cogs, et cetera? Uh, so you being able to walk people through your process, document your process uh, is uh, a big part of that. Because if, if you can document it and you can explain it simply, right, that, those are the skill sets that they really want to see. It's that translation. Um, so asking clarify, uh, clarification questions. What does that showcase? Your communication skills right at the beginning. Uh, communicating your process, what you did to solve the problem communication skills, once again, uh, summing it up, communication. This is a big part of your training in the data scientist syndicate. Uh, very almost impossible to get hired into a data scientist role nowadays without going through something like this, right? So you, you know, maybe Casey, you could walk us through this uh, yeah. just to help everyone to drive home the points here. Yeah, for sure. So um, quality of code. So are you commenting your code? Are you structuring it and organizing it? Um, in a way that's readable? Is it, is it not um, repeatable? So that's just, if, if you're not sure how to do that, I would just look up any course on, on improving um, code, code style and uh, general code readability. Uh, how data usage has solved the problem. So you always want to kind of like state the problem, the business problem, state how you're going to solve it with data and sort of break it down if you need to. Um, and then you want to tie the solution that you came up with or the answer that you came up with back to answer the specific problem that you posed at the beginning. Um, and then, yeah, impact on business strategy. So you want to give um, business recommendations, especially if they've asked you specifically to, to, to extend from just giving the data conclusions to what you would then recommend for the business. Don't get caught off guard and kind of pre-think that ahead of time or write that down if you're asked to about um, what you think you would recommend based off of the data. And then in terms of presentation, they may ask you uh, after the take-home to then present your, um, your take-home assignment at the interview stage, or you might be asked to create um, some PowerPoint slides or something like that. Uh, so definitely ask questions about that so you know what to expect. Perfect. And uh, I want to make sure we have time to talk about the types of interview questions. We, we've reviewed some of this, obviously, if you're getting that technical call, the coding call. Uh, if you're uh, going through the take-home exam, these questions are going to come up. You know, these, these four things here, I, I think, summarize it pretty well. You have behavioral questions, which we haven't brought up at all yet. Uh, those are the questions to really see how you handle pressure stress. Uh, the mathematical statistical questions, we've touched on that. Coding database questions, we've touched on that, but also the questions you should ask. 
you heard this from our panel, right? This training on interview questions, both asked and answered, the huge part of the data scientist syndicate program. And you have to approach it again from a PhD level. And the questions they're going to ask you as a PhD getting into a data scientist role, uh, not, not an analyst role and not a non-PhD data scientist role. So we haven't touched on behavioral questions. What do behavioral questions look like? Uh, maybe some examples that you've asked yourself or been asked, Casey. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I have asked the, the, the last bullet point here before several times. Uh, so it's very common to be asked to walk through a project you've done in the past. And it's important with the behavioral questions, uh, again, to focus on your soft skills and not get into too much technical detail uh, because you, you risk losing the interviewer and then them interpreting that to mean that you're not good at communicating, even if you maybe were good at communicating the technical details, but they just got lost, right? So what you want to do is structure everything nicely. Say, first, I'm going to tell you about the problem, make the problem statement. Then you're going to say, these are the steps I took for the analysis, like the cleaning. This is the steps I took for um, uh, you know, the, the visualization, the presentation, um, conclusions, and then what, what action uh, came out of that or how did that, how, how was that data science project actually helpful is really key if you have some great examples of that. Mm. Um, and I think with the behavioral questions, this is the best opportunity for you to, at the same time, educate the interviewer on sort of what it is and what it means to be a PhD, right? Because if, if someone is doubting that you have the skills to be a data scientist, it's probably because they just don't, aren't informed about what a PhD is, right? They just think it's school. Well, school is what, like, I don't know, doing a bunch of coursework. They don't know that you're actually working, yes. you know, you're making your decisions, you're uh, leading the research in a lot of cases. And so for the first question, this is a, this is a common question, why do you want to be a data scientist? I would flip that around. And I would say, well, let me tell you about how actually I have been doing data science through my PhD over many years. And, you know, some people don't know this, but actually, uh, this is, th these are the ways in which being a researcher, which is what I do during my PhD is similar to be, uh, to being a data scientist. Um, why you want to work for this company is a great question for them to uh, test your business acumen. So if you have, um, if you've read up enough on the business and you can understand enough on the business side to be able to have an intelligent conversation about that, that's a great sign for them that you're ready to transition um, from, from academia. Yeah, perfect. And, you know, for, Behavioral questions, there's a lot that the program goes into. Uh, even asking about your, in today's, you know, remote working world, asking about your morning routine or your habits, very, very common now. They want to know that you're self-motivated, that you can work autonomously. So don't get caught up on trying to explain that you're such a team player that you forget to say, well, I can get up and go through my workday at home uh, uh, on, uh, autonomously and, and successfully. Don't uh, be on the lookout too, and you'll get trained on this in the program. You'll be asked how you prioritize things, right? How you get them done, how you record them, what your process is. Very, very important. Uh, I do want to cover mathematic, uh, and st mathematics and statistics in terms of questioning, Casey. What are they looking for here since, since it's such a big part of the data scientist role versus other uh, similar roles? Yeah, so people get kind of stressed about this. Like, you know, there's there's no way unless maybe you have a PhD in math and stats that you're going to easily know the answer to every single possible type of modeling technique and math and stats question that you could ever be asked. Um, so really don't get too caught up in this. Really focus on the basics. So you can you can see from looking at these questions, this is a good reflection of um the types of questions you'll be, you, you might be asked. So what is a p-value linear regression? Like you could probably, if you were to count, what are the top 20 statistical things to know how to explain? Um, those are probably the things that you're going to get asked. Don't be focused on memorizing everything that might ever be used in some obscure machine learning technique. Um, and then this is, again, if, if they're being reasonable, there's a very good chance that if you don't know the answer to uh, one question that's kind of obscure stats wise, that you can say, oh, I'm not sure about that. I haven't done X technique before. Uh, I've done some slightly different techniques in my academic career. And then see if they kind of would let you explain 
uh, a different one that you have used instead. Because again, once they know just that you know enough in depth about how to apply stats in one situation, they know you can learn it uh, in the other situation. Um, but for example, some people, what they're looking to test is um, just how long have you been around or exposed to machine learning? So if you hadn't been exposed to it that long, you might know, not know what the difference between a type one, type two error is, but um, it's something that would appear to be obvious to you. That's a very common um, question after you've spent a bit of time in this space. Now, Casey, building your portfolio, I've seen a lot of uh, conversations on this in the data scientist syndicate private group. Yes. Uh, where should somebody start and uh, what are employers looking for? Yeah, for sure. So this is a this is another example of just clear communication, right? So you structuring work and having that perspective of what would an outsider need in order to understand what I have done. So um, putting stuff up that requires advanced scientific knowledge to even understand what the problem is that you're asking, probably not the best. Um, maybe you do want a section for that as well somewhere else for other uh, academic purposes, but not for your, your data science portfolio. So when we say portfolio, we mean um, a GitHub page, essentially. So you can think about, if you're not familiar with GitHub, you can think about it just like, uh, like, you know, let's say I'm a, I'm an artist or something. I put some images of some artwork I've done into a folder on Google drive. And maybe I put some documents in there as well, explaining their work, but I put a bunch of different types of files and then I put them in a folder and share them. Right. Yeah, here's a picture. So GitHub is the same thing. It's just like a place to put your work, add a bunch of different types of files. You can add images to explain what you've done. You can use Markdown to sort of format your text nicely. There's a readme here um, explaining sort of an, an overview and inviting people further into your profile. But the best thing to do is um, it, learn how to use GitHub if you don't know how to, how to use it and then invite somebody else who's not from your academic space to view your profile and sort of just ask them, you know, where, where did you click on? What, what was interesting? Were you able to understand the sort of different projects I've done? Um, and just learn how to structure it in a way that is inviting and helps people understand um, where to find the actual code if they, if they want to read further into your project, but also just how to get the conclusions that you've, you've um, come up with from that work. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I want to say uh, congratulations to those who, who joined the Data Scientist Syndicate. Um, coming back to the portfolio, Casey, there's different types of projects. So can yeah. you tell us what these types of projects are? And then we'll talk about trending products that uh, projects we could add to the portfolio or, uh, as well. So these are the three core ones. And uh, what are they? Why are they important? Yeah. So, and I forgot to mention, well, just that your PhD projects, right, can be any, uh, can be examples of projects to include in your portfolio. So the first thing I would do is not stress about going out and starting, you know, uh, spending many hours on new data science projects using, you know, random data from the internet. First, look at what you've done in your PhD and look and see if you've written any code or maybe you could write some code because, um, actually you find a way to use data to answer a question that requires code that would sort of improve your current academic projects and put that up on GitHub first. And that'll make you, it'll kind of get the ball, ball rolling. It won't sort of seem like a big blank empty page. Um, but yeah, so this is a great, I, I think when, when we talk about these three types, this is a great way to go through and think about what you've done during your PhD, because I'm sure that a lot of you have actually, even if you don't think you've used some, you know, more sexy yes. modeling techniques, you've definitely done a lot of data cleaning during your PhD. All data, all raw data, when you've um, first collected it is really messy, unless you're lucky and let me know how you figured out how to have perfect data, but <laughs> I haven't figured that out. Um, so yeah, so it, I think this just highlights that it, there's not, it's not just about using machine learning and that's what you want the, the different highlights to be. You want a variety of different projects. So a project that focuses on data cleaning might be, um, you know, explaining some innovative ways that you've come up with to clean data that uh, otherwise wouldn't have been usable. That's really clever. Show how you've gone through that process. And then storytelling, having a project that has some great visuals is great for that because um, you want to be able to show that you can clearly tell a story, especially through 
visuals and creating those visuals takes takes time to learn for sure. So showcasing that is great. And then folks on the mm. customer, I would just say, if you've done any projects, even if um, if you're highlighting your PhD projects, if you're focusing on uh, the impact that that project really made, um, you know, changes to uh, within the scientific community are important as well, even if um, that that community is not necessarily like a, like a customer for a business, you can still highlight impact in that way. Absolutely. So we're going to go through some trending pro uh, projects here pretty quickly. Uh, so Casey, we, you guys, you show, you talk about a lot of these, you go through them, you teach on them. Some are more important than others. Can you tell us just briefly, which of these projects are trending and which ones we should pay attention to? And maybe if there's a couple that aren't uh, as important or are there where there's some misconceptions. Yeah, for sure. So depends on the company, but natural language processing is really, uh, well, sorry, I'll back up. So first of all, I think an important concept to understand is that machine learning is a particular branch of artificial intelligence, which is uh, sort of more general term for the entire field, but isn't really used within the actual data science community too, too much. Uh, it's more of a buzzword. Um, mm. So yeah, if you know some basic machine learning, a couple different machine learning techniques, that's great. If it's a more advanced data science role or they ask for a particular, they might say uh, neural nets or something like that. That means deep learning. So just using like a multi-layered uh, model, um, which can learn a bit more subtle information essentially or subtle patterns from the data, then um, you, that's definitely an area to explore. Although I would have a lot, I would make sure you have your basics down before you go dive into deep learning. Um, uh, and you, you'll get further by, by better understanding the basics and only take deep learning as a next step if, you, uh, if you're there. Uh, and natural language processing is looking at text data. So there's a ton of text being written all the time on the internet and natural language processing is mostly using free text data um, and sort of getting insights from it, categorizing it, uh, figuring out what it means or how it's important to your particular business. So it's a great opportunity for businesses to use data that's even external to their organization to, uh, to glean insights and to improve their, their business processes. Um, so it's a great, if you're looking for sort of an area of specialization in particular within data science, natural language processing is often a great step. And uh, the machine learning project, this is a, a task cheat sheet, an example of the things you'll get access to in the data scientist syndicate. Uh, we don't have time to go through it here in detail. Um, other training topics to add to your portfolio, right? Uh, when you're looking at big data, volume, velocity, value, veracity, variety, uh, again, you'll be taught this in detail. Uh, most of the uh, non-PhD level training out there, they're not covering this for a couple of reasons. One, uh, they don't put it all into one program and they don't keep adding to the program as PhDs, you're lifetime learners. We are too. That's why we offer lifetime access to the data scientist syndicate. Uh, things like blockchain, et cetera, uh, continue to be added to it. Uh, this sequence here. So automated data science, trending topic. Can you just give us a brief overview to close things out? Yeah, for sure. So uh, automated data science is really cool. Um, it, it kind of, it can mean a bunch of different things, but uh, generally you might be automating sort of things like hyperparameter tuning for your models or even finding which model uh, works the best. Um, so I think it's important to know that, you know, data scientists, in my opinion, will still be, um, will still be required as automated data science becomes more uh, popular. It'll just be that the, the business aspects and the, the problem statement um, are, and business and uh, conclusions that you generate are sort of more important aspects of, of the mm. process for sure. But um, learning a, a lot of different cloud-based platforms are now um, generating tools that you can use to look at uh, what automated data science is and to use those tools yourself to uh, perform automated data science. So that's a great thing to familiarize yourself with as well. Casey, thank you. Great to see Thanks. you. Great job. A really great job. This takes us to the end of this show. You can learn about this program and all of our programs at cheekyscientist.com. If you are new to your job search, you don't know which position's right for you, you can go to phdsgethired.com. That's plural, phds 
gethired.com to learn more about our flagship program, the Cheeky Scientist Association that has helped thousands of PhDs around the world get hired. It'll train you on the basics of your job search and help you find the right position for you. As always, remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional. I'm Isaiah Henkel, the founder of Cheeky Scientist and the creator of the Cheeky Scientist Association. I wanted to quickly tell you that memberships into the association are available to PhDs listening to Cheeky Scientist Radio by using the coupon code Cheeky Radio at www.phdsgethired.com. That's phdsgethired.com, P-H-D-S-G-E-T-H-I-R-E-D.com. Simply type phdsgethired.com into your website browser, scroll down to the orange membership button and click on it, then enter the coupon code Cheeky Radio to get 20% off a lifetime membership now. That's Cheeky Radio, C-H-E-E-K-Y-R-A-D-I-O. Remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional. Are you worried about the rapidly shrinking job market? Like me, have you been seeing more and more articles on universities shutting down their research labs, furloughing employees, cutting postdocs and TAs? and even withdrawing PhD student funding? If so, it might be wise to start taking steps to protect your PhD career. You've worked very hard and very intelligently for years to establish yourself, but likely you have not reached your full career potential yet. Perhaps you're not even getting respect and you're not getting the rewards that you deserve. The good news is you can get into an industry career where you can get paid well for doing meaningful work. All you need is the right knowledge and the right network. The Cheeky Scientist Association gives you lifetime access to the world's number one PhD-only job search training platform with multiple courses and the PhD-only job referral network of over 10,000-plus industry PhDs. Now is your chance to become a lifetime member for 20% off of the association. Just use the coupon code CheekyRadio at www.phdsgethired.com. That's phdsgethired.com. P-H-D-S-G-E-T-H-I-R-E-D.com. Simply type phdsgethired.com into your website browser, scroll to the orange membership button, and click on it, and enter the coupon code CheekyRadio to get 20% off a lifetime membership now. No recurring monthly fees, no recurring annual fees. Nobody else offers this. PhDsgethired.com. Use the coupon code CheekyRadio. Remember your value as a PhD, and remember that knowledge is power, and your network is your net worth.